Today's scripture lesson comes from the book of Hebrews, chapter 5, verses 1 through 10. If you're following along in your Bible, I invite you to, to turn to that, or you can follow along on the screen. Let us hear God's word to us. Every high priest is selected from among the people and is appointed to represent the people in matters related to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray, since he himself is subject to weakness. This is why he has to offer sacrifices for his own sins as well as for the sins of the people. And no one takes this honor on himself, but receives it when called by God, just as Aaron was. In the same way, Christ did not take, upon him, take on himself the glory of becoming a high priest. But God said to him, You are my son. Today I have become your father. And God says in another place, You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. And then verse 7 following. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, He offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the One who could save Him from death. And He was heard because of His reverent submission. Son though He was, He learned obedience from what he suffered, and once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him, and was designated by God to be high priest in the order of Melchizedek. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts Be acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. And the people said, Amen. This fall we are in a series on the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. And the series is called, Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus after all? We say we believe in Jesus, we love Jesus, we follow Jesus, we are His disciples. But if someone were to ask us, maybe they don't know Jesus, and they were to ask us, who is this Jesus? How would we respond? What would we say? I believe the book of Hebrews, the text that we're looking at, can help us to share some responses that are understandable and that really speak to who He was and is. One of the things that we're learning is when we learn about Jesus, we learn about who God is. Someone said, if you want to know God, just look at Jesus. So Jesus helps us to understand the character and nature of God. As we learn about Jesus... We're actually doing what theologians call understanding our Christology. We're learning about how Jesus interacts with us and how we interact with Jesus and how Jesus 
came and lived and died and was resurrected and poured out in the Holy Spirit. And all of these things at one time is Jesus. So this, you might say that this series is about our Christology, how we understand who Jesus is. Today we're going to continue looking at Jesus as our great high priest, this high priest who suffered on our behalf. We're going to see several functions of Jesus wrapped up in this understanding of him as great high priest who suffered on our behalf, did something that we could never do, took our place. Uh, The first part of Hebrews chapter 5 tells us every high priest is selected from among the people and is appointed to represent people in matters related to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. The first part of this passage is speaking to the human high priest, the Jewish high priest who ministered among the people of Israel. Aaron was the first one. And you see right away that the high priest was the advocate of the people. The high priest is seen as a mediator or an advocate for the people. He is appointed to represent the people to God, and the high priest also represents God among the people. The high priest brings gifts to God on behalf of the people. The high priest brings sacrifices for their sins. Once a year, the high priest would enter the most holy place in the tabernacle, the portable place of worship, the tent, if you will, that tent of meeting that the people of Israel carried throughout the wilderness with them. And whenever they set up for worship, the high priest would have those responsibilities. And this carries on into the temple worship. He represented the people. He came in on the Day of Atonement once per year to make intercession on behalf of God's people who are ignorant and going astray. What is an advocate? How many of you have served in the clinic here at HRBC? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. A number of you have served over the years. Some of you have served as advocates. Raise your hand if you've been an advocate. Many of you have been advocates. If you're new to HRBC, the clinic is a ministry that occurs every September here. And over the last couple of years, we have branched out and we have taken the clinic down to the Oregon Hill Baptist Center to minister up, uh, unto the homeless population of Richmond. In years past, the homeless community was brought here by bus and we served graciously, but our leadership, Matthew and our leadership, felt that, you know, we need to go to them. So we have taken the clinic to the Oregon Hill Baptist Center, and that happened this past Saturday. If you have uh, served as an advocate, an advocate is there ready to serve our guest here at the clinic. There's a sheet of paper that has all of the different services that the clinic provides. Um, there's health care, blood pressure screenings, diabetes checks, flu shots, vision uh, screening, Uh, There are housewares where people can get home goods to take with them. There are massages. Yes, massages. There are fingernail painting. There are family photos that are taken that are made of portraits. And I could go on and on. The version at Oregon Hill is a little bit more scaled down. We can't offer all of that on a weekday and a half a day. But many of these services are offered. And an advocate will wait on the guest to come in 
and we'll sit down with them and get to know them. And we'll ask them some questions about what their needs are. And we'll look at the sheet and start to match that person up or that family up with what their needs are. They are an advocate. And then they walk with that family the entire day, whether it's at Oregon Hill or HRBC, walk with that person or family that entire stay. Sometimes you may only have one family the entire day as an advocate. Others, if it's a smaller group and so forth, you might have several people that you can work with. But you are there to represent that person to make sure that, what their, that their needs are met. To help them to, to have a friend in you. That they could trust you and you could get to know them. That's what an advocate is. The high priest served as an advocate for the people. Jesus is our high priest, our eternal high priest. Jesus serves as our advocate to the Father in heaven. Another way to understand this advocacy is through our national denominational partner, the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship. We have a wonderful relationship with the CBF, also with CBF Virginia, Terry Maples. Raise your hand, Terry. Happens to be here today. He's the the executive director of Cooperative Baptist Fellowship Virginia and was on staff here for a long time. Our national CBF advocacy group helps to be advocates for people who are not able, perhaps, to speak because no one hears them. They are the marginalized in society, the overlooked, the underserved. And from CBF's website, advocacy is rooted in the same spirit and call that motivates our mission endeavors to demonstrate the love of Christ by loving our most neglected and marginalized neighbors. As Christians dedicated to this kind of service, we often encounter situations and issues in need of a strong voice. Such encounters create passionate advocacies in our churches and among those serving across the globe. CBF actually has people on staff dedicated, field personnel dedicated to being advocates and to helping churches and individual Christians understand what advocacy is. It is about encouraging, equipping, and promoting the voice of advocates in our midst as others encounter need. In so doing, CBF says, we strive to exercise responsible Christian citizenship by modeling a more effective, positive, and inclusive public witness for the church. There are three basic ones that you you would read about if you went to the website. One is advocacy for those who are victims of human trafficking, to help churches be a voice for those who who are caught up in human trafficking. CBF also has advocacy for people who are victims of title lending and paycheck lending, payday lending, to help us in our community stand up for that injustice. And we also have advocacy for immigration, migrants, refugees, and asylum seekers. And over the last five weeks, we've had Greg and Sue Smith here teaching us every Wednesday night how we might develop a better more effective Christian response to immigration because the system is so broken. We have learned how we as biblical Christians should respond and be advocates for these among the least of these God's children. Another way to understand advocacy is that of the Holy Spirit. Jesus uses the word parakletos, which describes the Holy Spirit who is our advocate 
In John 14, 16, Jesus says, and I will ask the Father and He will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. John 15, 26, when the advocate comes whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth goes out from the Father. He will testify about me. And in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Jesus intercedes on our behalf. He is our advocate to the Father, and He also speaks on the Father's behalf to us. This high priest, this eternal high priest who loved us so much that He willingly stepped in and took our place. He is not only the high, most high priest, but the eternal one, the eternal priest and king, says Hebrews. If you continue in verses 5 and following, in the same way, meaning similar way to the Jewish high priest, Christ did not take on Himself the glory of becoming a high priest. This is an appointment from God. This is a call of God. Jesus didn't sign up for it and say, I want to be the high priest on behalf of the people. God appointed Him to do that. And to these Scriptures that the writer of Hebrews points out from the Psalms help us with this, these prophetic words about Jesus. You are My Son. Today I have become Your Father. And he says in another place, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek, our eternal priest and king. Not temporary, not here on earth, but eternal. Our high priest and king lives forever, and he lives within our hearts. It's amazing to think that Jesus is all of this. He's the son of the living God. He's the most high priest. He's our suffering servant the King of kings, the Prince of peace. He is all of these at once for every single one of us. He loves each of us as if there were no other and loves each of us all the same. But you might say, Pastor Bob, I've read my Bible about this Melchizedek character, and we really don't talk about that too much in church. Who is he? What does that mean? Maybe these words from one of the commentators would help. The story of Melchizedek is told only once in the Bible, in the book of Genesis. There, Abram, later Abraham, wins a great military victory and after returning from battle is greeted by King Melchizedek of Salem. You might look at the word Salem and help that's Jerusalem because Salem, meaning peace, is in the last part of Jerusalem. Shalem, Shalom. So he's greeted by King Melchizedek, who is not only a king but a priest. He's both a king and a priest of God Most High, Genesis 14, 18. Melchizedek brings bread and wine to Abram and says, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, maker of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram gives Melchizedek one-tenth of everything that he has gained in battle, a tithe of his goods. So you can see the bread and the wine, and you can see God's provision, and you can see this covenantal interaction, and you can see this tithe that Abram gives to Melchizedek. The writer says, our Christian ears are bound to perk up when we hear this story because it sounds oddly familiar. We think of Jesus Christ as a king and a priest, 
we partake of bread and juice in the Lord's Supper, and we know that we're supposed to give a tithe of our resources in support of God's work in the world, strange how much New Testament theology is packed into these Old Testament verses in that Melchizedek points us to Jesus, our eternal priest and king. The readers of Hebrews knew this story better than we, which is why they'd be impressed by the description of Jesus as a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. They would also know enough Hebrew language to pull apart his name, Melchizedek, Melech, meaning king, Zedekah, righteousness, meaning king of righteousness. Can you say Melech? Can you say Zedekah? Melchizedek, king of righteousness. And then he's also the king of Salem, king of peace. And we understand Jesus as our eternal king and our prince of peace. And we are encouraged to pursue peace with all whom we meet. Priest and king, priest and king, righteousness and peace, Melchizedek and also Jesus. He is our eternal priest and king, this Jesus, interceding on our behalf continually to the Father. And he suffered on our behalf. During the days of Jesus' life, On earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son, though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. The prophet Isaiah in chapter 53, which you heard read just a few moments ago, reminds us, uh, prophesies for us that this Jesus endured the scorn and shame and suffering of the cross on our behalf, a few of those verses, surely He took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered Him stricken by God, smitten by Him and afflicted. But He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon Him. And by His wounds we are healed. Another translation, by His stripes we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was obedient to death, even death on a cross, as Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2. Jesus cried loud tears on our behalf. If you listen back to that text, Fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him. And he suffered and died. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane begged that God would remove the cup of suffering from him. But he said, not my will, but thy will be done. And then Jesus, as you know, on the cross called out the words, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Quoting the first part of Psalm 22, a psalm of lament. And it is said that when one quoted or invoked the first 
word or two or line of a psalm like this that they were invoking the entire text. It is a lament psalm that expresses the depth of the human suffering that Jesus was experiencing and the abandonment and the loneliness and the shame and the scorn, all of that. And yet, He willingly did it. He chose obedience. This high priest, Jesus, was our suffering servant. And he identifies with the depths of your and my human suffering today. And the good news through his willingness to endure the cross on our behalf is that he is our source of eternal salvation. Through his atoning death on the cross where he stepped in and took our place, we might be one and reconciled with God and with one another. Verses 9 and 10, once made perfect or once having experienced the perfect will of God, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. And he was designated by God to be high priest in the order of Melchizedek. And you can read on in chapter 7 and see what the writer of Hebrews teaches us about this Melchizedek. There's more there than what I could say today. But this word source, when I was doing my study this week, the word source in verse 9, that is the source of our salvation, of our eternal salvation, jumped off the page at me. I wrote it in all caps. It's in all caps in my notes here. The Greek word is itios, and it can mean source. It also means author. Just like the author's that went into writing the words of God that we know as the, the Holy Bible, or simply a book that you have uh, that has an author. There's someone behind the pages you are reading. We have someone behind the salvation that we can so freely receive by the grace of God when we approach the throne of grace with confidence and receive mercy and find His grace. Jesus is the source of this eternal salvation, and all we have to do is say yes to God. Say, yes, I'd like to follow Jesus. Yes, please come into my heart and be Lord of my life. Help me demonstrate that in baptism and in a life of service to you. This is possible because Jesus became our living sacrifice once for all, no more taking bulls and goats to the altar all of the time, doing the same thing over and over and over again. But Jesus offered Himself and became sin that we might have life and have it abundant. Jesus approached this altar on our behalf once for all. He is the source of our salvation. I believe with all my heart that not only is He the source of our salvation, but when we when we give our life to Him, He is our source of freedom. He is our source of healing, physical, emotional, and spiritual. He is our source of self-confidence. He is our source of a strong marriage. Many of you in this room today, if I were to ask you, do you believe that God raised a dead man from the grave and Jesus lives, you would say, yes, I believe that with all my heart. 
well, if we believe that God could raise a dead man from the grave, can we not believe that that same God who is the source of our salvation, our eternal life, could raise a dead marriage? could help resurrect a marriage that's in shambles, Um, a marriage where the couple doesn't know if they can continue to make it. We believe that if we would do our part and trust God to do His, that maybe that our marriages could have the strength that that they need and can survive. That that God and His Son Jesus are our source of freedom from addiction. That through the power of the Holy Spirit, one moment, one hour, one day at a time, that we might overcome the addictions that we experience. He is our source of wisdom, our source of grace, our source of mercy, our source of forgiveness, our source of financial stability. Not that we're going to get a Mercedes from heaven. Don't get me wrong, that's prosperity theology. But when we come to God and just offer ourselves to Him and say, Lord, I want to be faithful with what I have. Help me, help me in this troubled time. That God will be faithful because when we are faithful with little, God will be faithful with much. He is the source of our healthy relationships, the source of our power, the source of the authority that we've been given in life when we lead and have responsibilities. He is the eternal King of righteousness, the source of our eternal peace, the source of our hope, our love, and our joy. And God's people said, Amen. Let us pray. We are so thankful that your grace is so all-sufficient for us. We are so thankful that you, God, are good. And we are so thankful that you would see to it to come to earth in the form of a human being, Jesus, to enter into the depths of suffering, the dark places of humanity, and that you would be our advocate Lord, help us just to take your hand as an advocate takes the hand of a family in our clinic. And Lord, walk with us and help us to give our needs to you, knowing that we may not have all of the answers to the prayers that we want, but Lord, that you are with us and that you know what is best for us, that you know what is good. Maybe there are people who are navigating this difficult life on their own, And either maybe they've just thought about um, giving up on Jesus and they've come to church one more time to figure it out, to hear a word of hope. Or maybe there are others who don't know this Jesus and, and today would be the day that they say, I don't understand it all, but I'm willing to give it a try. Lord, bless this time of response as we sing. In the name of Christ we pray, amen.